Well, our culture assumes that people will only be happy when they are free to pursue sexual satisfaction in any way that they choose. And this idea has infected the church as well, with the result that many professing Christians are left confused and broken as a result of sexual sin, whether their own or someone else's. Welcome to the Radical with David Platt podcast, the latest sermons from teacher, author, and pastor David Platt delivered weekly. And as always, you can find thousands of more gospel-centered resources over at our website, Radical.net. Well, in today's message from David Platt out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll see that true satisfaction comes when we trust God's design for our sexuality. And the good news for those who need forgiveness and healing for sexual sin is that the one who created us and knows what's best for us has sent his own son to make us new. So here's Pastor David Platt with the sermon titled Beauty and Brokenness, Sexuality, Part 1, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 20. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I want to uh, set things up today for our time in the Word in a couple of different ways. One, we are beginning a new series today that we're calling Beauty and Brokenness, Sexuality, Singleness, and Marriage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7. So almost a year ago when we moved all of our gatherings online, we were in the middle of walking through the book of 1 Corinthians in the Bible. And in light of events going on last March around the world, we made adjustments. So Since then, we've wanted to get back to where we left off, and that's where we're starting today. So as a reminder, uh, for those of you who are not aware, we're reading through the Bible together as a church family, and I would certainly invite anyone to be a part of that. You can jump in right now, download that Bible reading plan at mcleanbible.org. In case you missed it, there's also a devotional called For the Love of God that accompanies that Bible reading plan. I highly commend that devotional to you. You can buy a physical copy of it or you can download an electronic copy for free. So you've got that resource as well as the Pray the Word podcast that walks through the Bible reading plan each day. But that is ongoing for the next six or eight weeks, I can't remember exactly how many, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7, we're going to be walking through this series on sexuality, singleness, and marriage. And as soon as I say those words, I'm guessing some of you may be cringing or bracing yourselves for a number of reasons. Here's a couple of potential reasons. One, you might be cringing because you're a parent of a younger child and you're not sure what they're about to hear. And I want to say to you that I also am a parent of younger children. And we are placing a high priority at NBC on our families being together in worship. Even when we resume, Lord willing, to normal worship gatherings in the coming days and programming for children or students, we will still encourage families to worship together. It is good for children to see their parents in worship and sit under the word. And then to go to children or students specific things while parents serve or grow through other avenues in the church. We actually really believe it's important for children, students to be in worship with their parents whenever possible. 
What that means for the series then is that we're gonna work to keep these sermons PG, which means G to PG. What it means is, I don't know how to use a movie system to rate what we're walking through in God's word, but we're gonna use words that we see in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, like sexuality or homosexuality or sexual immorality. But we're gonna try to walk through God's word together in a way that's appropriate for everybody, leaving room for parents and others to go more in depth as God leads you in other settings. Knowing there are some non-PG issues that we need to know what the Bible says about them. So we've actually created a resource page to go with this series. It's, I'll put it up here on the screen, mcleanbible.org slash sexuality. So right now you can go to it and it has a list of resources that we would recommend to you on different issues. And all throughout the series, we're gonna post resources from our pastors and other leaders in our church to help you as you think about issues that we don't, we won't talk about on Sundays. So for older students, adults, I wanna commend this resource page to you, encourage you to process through those resources, not just on your own, but as appropriate in your families, in your marriages, with students, with parents, in your groups, and parents in the meantime, we're gonna do our best to keep things uh, more mild in our worship gatherings. Obviously, understanding if at any point you feel uncomfortable here in this room and feel like you need to step out with a child or online, if you feel like, hey, maybe we'll pause the sermon right now, come back to it later. Uh, our children's ministry has sent out links to videos and activities for kids, so just make sure to avail yourself of those. So that's one reason you might cringe. Then another reason you might be cringing or bracing yourself when you hear mention of sexuality, singleness, and marriage in the church is because you're afraid of how these topics might be addressed. Because you've been hurt or seen others hurt by how these topics have been addressed or not addressed in the church. There are so many examples of this. Let me just share one. Mike sent me a letter that somebody in the church had written at one point in preparation for a message in the church on homosexuality. And I want to read it to you. This is from a member of the church who struggles with same-sex attraction and said, this is not a letter I wanted to write, but I felt compelled given the upcoming message on homosexuality. There's this strange sense of foreboding not because of fear of what you will say, but for fear of being further ostracized from the church. I believe the Bible is God's holy word and I know what it teaches about homosexuality. I have prayed for over 20 years that this thorn would be taken from me, but here I sit, still struggling and not knowing where to turn. Not giving in to a lifestyle that would displease God is in some ways the easy part. What I don't know and have never heard taught is this, how am I to relate to the church and how should the church relate to me? Will there ever be a place for people like me in a Christian community? I've lost so many friends, generally Christians, who've pulled away after the growing realization that I'm probably something they're not. I'm trying to live a life of obedience, but in so doing, it's even more devastating to have people who bear the name of Christ retreat from me in friendship. I guess here's my ask. As a Christian community, please don't make me choose between a life of isolation and a life that dishonors God. 
figure out a way to let me in, to hold me accountable, to let me belong, to serve God, to serve the church. And if you know someone like me, don't freeze him or her out. You're our lifeline. We could sure use one. Signed, Outside Looking In. I've read that letter over and over again. I have so many thoughts and emotions when I read it, but I'll summarize them all by saying to outside looking in or to anyone who feels or has ever felt like outside looking in, you are not alone. You are not on the outside. I don't presume to know all the things that you struggle with in your shoes. You don't know all the things that I struggle with in my shoes. But I do know this. We're in this struggle together. None of us has this one figured out. Sexuality, singleness, and marriage, none of us has all this figured out out, which means all of us need each other. So here's the plan at the start of this series. We're going to walk this week and next week through biblical foundations for sexuality in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Then before we move on to singleness and marriage in 1 Corinthians 7, Mike is going to lead us in a Sunday where we consider how we love and care for each other well in the church when it comes to these issues and how we love and care for people in our culture well when it comes to these issues, particularly people who don't believe God's word. I want to be crystal clear. Our aim in this series and as Christians in our lives is not to rail on the culture around us and all those people who believe or do those things like they are our enemy. Absolutely not. Our aim is to equip one another to love each other well in the church, to love others well in our culture, that we might be salt and light in our city, our country, yes, with truth from Jesus, but also with the humility and compassion of Jesus. Knowing that we all have broken bodies in this fallen world. And our enemy is not one another. Our enemy is an adversary who is working to pull us and every single person around us away from God's good design for our bodies. So this is why we're titling this series in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, Beauty and Brokenness, because we live in a broken world. And as we're gonna see today, we all have broken bodies. And Jesus alone is able to bring beauty amidst our brokenness. So let's dive into God's word, word which we're gonna see so good. You know, we're tempted to think that we're living in unique days with unique challenges regarding sexuality, but we only think that way because we don't realize what was happening in Corinth 2,000 years ago in the first century when the book of 1 Corinthians was written. This city was known for rampant sexual immorality and confusion and deception 
They had a temple to Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love, where every single night, a thousand temple prostitutes would come down into the city to work their trade. Corinth was a culture where anything goes. Indulge your body however you desire. So God speaks into that situation in a way that is so relevant to our situation. And God gives us one of the most comprehensive passages in the Bible about our bodies and sexuality. So let's listen to what God says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, and, but, but for the Lord, and also the Lord for the body. Now, I want to pause there. These are the first two times in this passage that we see a reference to the body. But I want us to start counting. So maybe you circle in your Bible, make a note every time you see the body mentions. There's two here. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So there's two. Let's keep reading. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you're counting, that's eight times. This passage mentions our bodies, which is really significant because there's a lot of different messages that we get from a lot of different sources in this world about our bodies, how we're to view them or use them. And amidst all these messages and ideas in the world, we desperately need to hear what God says about our bodies in his word. So if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write down these three core essential foundational truths about our bodies according to God. This is what God is telling us about our bodies. Here's the first truth. Number one, your body was created by God for his glory and for your earthly and eternal good. Every word there matters, so let this soak in. Your body, just think about your body right where you are sitting right now, was created by God for his glory and for your earthly and eternal good. 
So let's think about all, all that we're saying here in this truth. First, your body was created by God. So now let's go back to verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 6 because it's in many ways the foundational verse in this passage. So in verse 13, we see a phrase that was apparently common in that day. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, food was made for the stomach. The stomach was made for food. And when people use this phrase in Corinth, the implication was, the body was made for sexual activity. And sexual activity was made for the body. But God is saying, no. No, the body is made for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. What a statement. So I want you to think about this. On both sides, what God is saying here. First, for, for 1 Corinthians 6.13 to say, the body is for the Lord. It's for God. Like that right there is a very different starting point than every other message we hear in this world and the way that we are all prone to think. This is very, very different. We are so driven today by what, whatever can bring our bodies the most pleasure. What can we see, touch, do, eat, listen to, engage in, we are drowning in a culture that shouts at every turn, please your body however you want. And the Bible is saying at every turn, please God in all that you do. Please yourself however you want or please God in all that you do. Please yourself or please God. This is the fundamental question. This question is at the root of every other question we will ask in the series, every single issue we'll consider in the series. The fundamental starting place is asking, what's our ultimate aim? Think about it. Are we going to live for self-gratification in our bodies? Or are we going to live for God-glorification in our bodies? That's the fundamental question. What's going to drive us, self-gratification or God-glorification? Because God is saying right here, your body is not ultimately for you. Your body is ultimately for me. Now, follow this. Don't miss this, because this is the next part of this phrase. It's so awesome where God says, your body's for me, and I am for your body. God says, I, the Lord, am for your body. So the Bible's not saying here, your body is for God, so just do what he says. Make your body miserable, but it doesn't matter because it's not about you, it's all about him. No, the Bible is saying, yes, your body is for God, and here's the good news. God is for your body. God is for your body. We're talking about the God, think about it, who created your body in the first place. So now we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible where we realize God is the one who came up with the concept of our bodies in the beginning. And he designed them, so follow this, God designed our bodies in a way that would bring us pleasure. Think about it, God created us with eyes. He didn't have to, but he did. He created us with eyes so that we might see, behold beauty. God created us with ears that we might hear music. He made us with tastes 
that we might enjoy flavors. God created us with skin that we might experience touch. Made us with faculties that enable us to communicate with one another. We might have relationship with each other unlike anything else in creation. And we could go on and on and on, but just feel this. God fearfully and wonderfully formed your body so that you might experience pleasure with your body. God designed it that way for you. Your body has been created, formed, fashioned by God himself in his image, Genesis 1.27 says, for his glory and for your good on this earth. This is so important to realize. God is not against your body. God is not even indifferent towards your body, which is really important because a lot of these Christians in Corinth thought, just like many of us are tempted to think today, well, God cares about my spiritual life, but he doesn't really care about my physical life. So they compartmentalized, just like we compartmentalize and separate our spiritual life over here from our physical life over there. And the Bible's saying, no, that's impossible because God is the one who designed your physical life, your body, for your good on this earth right now. I want to urge you to believe this from the start. The reason I say these truths are so foundational is because if you don't believe this, that God is for your body, then you will inevitably buy into all kinds of lies from the adversary about your body. You will question if God knew what he was doing when he made you this way or that way. With this disability, with that desire, you will question if God knew what he was doing when he made you as a male or a female. You will question why God would say, don't do this with your body. And in the process, you will justify going against what God has said. Why? Because at the root, we are all prone to forget that God is for us, not against us. Think about it. The all-wise, all-loving creator of the universe has formed your body and my body and God knows better than any one of us what is best for our bodies. God knows better than anyone in this world, our culture today, what is best for our bodies. Yet we live in a world where the mantra is, nobody can tell me what to do with my body. And that is the essence of sin and pride and arrogance before God to say to God, I know better than you how this body that you created is to be used. Don't say that to the God who is for your body, who is for you. God is for you. I just want to say that over and over and over again. Hear this, believe this, receive this. This is where it all starts. And if you question this, if you don't believe this, you will live in all kinds of confusion and deception. Don't do it. Believe this, receive this. The God who formed you is for you. God knows the way, not just to satisfy your soul, but to satisfy your body. 
You want to know how much he's for you? Specifically for your body? Look at verse 14. God has made an eternal investment in your body. Verse 14 says, God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead and will also raise us up by his power. So this is talking about God raising Jesus' body from the dead and God raising up our bodies from the dead. So that's what I mean when I say in this first truth, your body was created by God for his glory and for your earthly and eternal good. So this is what we're talking about now, this last part, not just for his glory, not just for your earthly good, but for your eternal good. This is revolutionary. God doesn't just love you enough to save your soul from sin. God loves you so much that he wants to redeem your body for eternity. To raise up, restore your body forever. This is what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. So turn over there in your Bible real quick. This is the, we're gonna get to this more in depth in a, a few weeks after this series when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But the whole argument of the Corinthian Christians was, well, we'll just live to fulfill our bodily pleasures in this life, which is temporary, then our souls will go on eternal life and we'll have the best of both worlds. Does that sound familiar? How common is that? Even in the church today, we've created a whole version of Christianity where we see our souls as sealed in heaven. We go on living for the temporary pleasures of our bodies however we want on this earth. And we're okay with it as long as we'll still get to heaven. But that's not Christianity. That goes totally against the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's saying, listen, I'm laying my body down. He says, I die every day. And I'm missing out on a lot in this world because I believe I trust that God is for me. And I know that one day he's gonna raise up this body just like he did with Jesus. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you follow that? God and his power raised the body of Jesus from a tomb, and one day he's gonna raise the bodies of all who trust in Jesus from the grave through that same power. Now, again, we're gonna discuss 1 Corinthians 15 more when we get there and it's going to be good. Just talking about resurrected body, what that, what that looks like, how that will play out. The point now, though, is this. God has not only created your body for your earthly good. He has created your body for your eternal good. So put all this together. Think about this. If your body has this identity, you've been molded personally by the hands of the creator God who loves you so much. And if your body has this destiny to thrive forever in a perfectly redeemed state, then why would we trust ourselves or anyone else in this world more than God with our bodies? God is worthy of trust with our bodies. The problem, though, is we 
have not believed this. We have all said, God, we know better than you how to use our bodies, which leads to this second truth. In this broken world, we all have broken bodies. In this broken world, we all have broken bodies. Now, before I show you this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want to remind you of this truth from the beginning of the Bible also. You think, think about it. First sin in the world, Genesis chapter 3, started with man and woman using their bodies outside of God's good design for their bodies. God had said, do not what from a particular tree? Do not eat. Do not satisfy the physical craving of your body in this way. Oh, this is so significant. Please pay close attention here. God had created them with a physical desire for food, which we've talked about is good. It's part of God's good design for our bodies. However, that physical desire could lead them to fulfill that desire outside of God's design, which was not good. So God tells them, here's a way, a good way to fulfill your physical desires. Eat from and enjoy fruit from all these trees. And here is a harmful way over here to fulfill your physical desires. So don't eat from that tree. And don't miss this. From the very beginning of the Bible, for sin even entered the world, God had given man and woman physical desires that were intended to be fulfilled in certain ways. Let me say that one more time. Don't miss it. Before sin even entered the world, God had given people physical desires that were intended to be fulfilled in certain ways and not fulfilled in other ways. And what happens in Genesis chapter three is man and woman decide to fulfill those desires in ways that are contrary to God's word, contrary to God's good design. And the result was brokenness. Brokenness between man and woman and their relationship with God. Brokenness between man and woman and their relationship with each other. Brokenness between man and woman and the world around them in ways that would not just affect them, but every single person who would come after them, including you and me. We all live in a world that has been broken by sin, and this brokenness affects all of us in all kinds of ways and not all in the same ways. Let me just list some of the ways our bodies are broken in this world. Fundamentally, we live in a world of weakness and even disability in our bodies. Many people whose bodies don't function the way they should in different ways. And every person whose body will one day wear out. Now, let's take this picture of brokenness generally a step deeper in light of sexuality in 1 Corinthians 6. Some of us have physical desires for the opposite sex that lead us to think thoughts about others, have desires for others, 
or do things with others that are not pleasing to God according to his word. Some of us have physical desires for the same sex that lead us to think, desire, or do things that are not pleasing to God according to his word. Some of us have questions about the way God made us sexually to the point where we sometimes feel like we don't fit or belong in our physical bodies. Some of our bodies have significant struggles, even when it comes to sexual disability or infertility or abnormalities or cancers. And amidst all of this, all of us, all of us, all of us are prone to fulfill physical desires we have in ways that are contrary to God's word. All of us at some point, most of us at many, many points, whether in our past or our present, have sought to fulfill those physical desires in ways that are contrary to God's word. In addition to all of that, some of us have physically been hurt, abused, and or broken by people who have done things to our bodies that are contrary to God's word. I could go on and on here, but the point is, each of us are different. Our experiences and even some of our desires are different. And there are even different degrees to which we have experienced brokenness in this world. But in the end, in this broken world, we all have broken bodies in ways that significantly affect all of us. You look here in 1 Corinthians chapter six, and the Bible is showing us how bodily sin specifically, and by that I mean sin we carry out with our bodies, or sin that someone carries out against our bodies. Bodily sins, just following this, bodily sin harms inevitably. In 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse 12, some of the Corinthians saw no harm in practicing prostitution. All things are lawful, they said. But God is asking, is it helpful to your body and helpful to others' bodies? God is saying, not just, just because something is allowed or you're able to do something with your body doesn't mean it's helpful for your body. And God is saying bodily sin is not helpful to you or others. It is harmful to you and others. Bodily sin harms inevitably. Bodily sin controls quickly, God says. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Thinking in Corinth, I can do it. God says, no, just because you can. Don't, don't be cautioned. You will be controlled Bodily sin so quickly controls. Like we read an example of this not long ago in our Bible reading plan. Remember Esau in Genesis chapter 25? In an instant, he threw away his entire birthright. Over what? Over a bowl of soup. Bodily impulses can cause you to do foolish things in an instant that can lead to consequences that last for a lifetime. 
Bodily sin controls so quickly, which leads to this next reality. Bodily sin devastates painfully. This is what verses 16 and 17 are all about. The Bible's specifically saying that sexual immorality, when you get to verse 18, that we're to flee from, unites you with another person that affects all of who you are in a way that's different, even from other sin. Verse 18, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. So there's a comparison here going, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. The Bible is saying here, don't underestimate the effect of bodily sin, particularly sexual sin. It destroys lives, breaks marriages, shatters homes and kids, causes heartache and hurt and pain. It leads to all sorts of other sin, lying, Stealing, cheating, bitterness, hatred, slander, gossip, unforgiveness, even murder. Think David in the Old Testament, who in a moment of physical desire sinned against Bathsheba in a way that eventually led to the murder of Uriah, the death of a baby, and a sword that would never depart from David's house. David's life and the lives of so many others were devastated as a result of one moment. Bodily sin devastates painfully, and ultimately, bodily sin condemns eternally. You look back up in verses 9 and 10 in 1 Corinthians 6. What is God saying here? Like, listen closely. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, obviously, bodily sin is addressed here in many different ways, but don't miss the language pertaining to all of these ways. Those who sin, who go outside of God's good design for our bodies, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says it twice. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Feel this. How we use our bodies on earth affects our lives for eternity. So you put all this together, and this is not a good picture of our bodies. I started out good, right? Like a, like a picture of clay in a potter's hands. You and I created, formed, fashioned by God Himself in His image, fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully made. All of us, all of us, without exception. And yet, all of us have chosen to sin against God with our bodies. Many of us have been sinned against in our bodies. Whether it's sin we've committed or sin that's been committed against us, we have seen all these effects we just saw. We have seen how Bodily sin harms inevitably. And in many cases, controls so quickly and devastates painfully and ultimately condemns eternally. That which is beautiful, beautifully designed by God, 
It's just the problem with all of our bodies. Like the picture is clear and it's really the problem with clay because as beautiful as clay is, it breaks. And this is the picture of every one of our lives in this broken world. All of us, without exception, have broken bodies. The evidences of which are scattered all over our lives. I think about it. It's pain and hurt that seems like it won't ever go away in some of our lives. It's guilt from the past that we can't ever seem to shake. Maybe it's struggles in the present that we can't ever seem to escape. It's questions about why do I go back to this temptation over and over and over and over again? Or maybe it's confusion about why God would even allow me to have this desire or why God won't take this desire away in ways that sometimes we feel like nobody else understands. Or maybe it's the constant battle with unfulfilled desire. So many different ways. It's broken hearts. It's broken relationships. Broken marriages. Ultimately, it's broken bodies. And this is all of our reality in this broken world. So the question is, is there any hope for people with broken bodies in a broken world? And the good news I have for you today is there is. Truth number three. Write it down. Soak it in. Jesus gave his body to make your body new. Jesus gave his body to make your body new. I want you to hear straight from God in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Hear these words from God. Such were some of you. You were this. But, so something happened, something has changed, but you were washed. Jesus takes that which is dirty and he makes it clean. You were sanctified. You want to know what that word means? 
It means made whole, made holy, made perfect. You were justified. That word means declared, not guilty. How is that possible? For the dirty to be made clean, for the guilty to be made innocent, for the broken to be made whole. It is only possible in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You say, well, what's so special about Jesus? What makes him the only one who can make my body new? I can't just figure this out on my own or go this route or that route. No, look down in verse 19. Here's what makes Jesus uniquely able to make your body new. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Here's why, here's why Jesus is your only hope for a broken body made new. And this is the heart and core of the Bible. The heart and core of the Bible is that God himself has come to this broken world in a body. In the body of Jesus, God in the flesh, God in a body. And Jesus, God in a body, lived perfectly among us, never once sinning in his body. And as a result, never, ever deserving to experience the penalty of sin, bodily, physical death. Yet he chose to die on a cross. Why? To pay the price for the sins of everybody who trusts in him. He paid the price for sin on a cross. Then he physically rose from the dead in victory over sin, his body walking around alive so that anybody who trusts in Jesus will be forgiven of all your sin and filled with his Holy Spirit the Spirit of God living in you so you might now live in the power of His Spirit. And for all who are thinking, what do I do with these desires in my body that still remain? Is this just a life of unfulfilled longing? Just keep coming back next week and the next week. We're gonna see how Jesus came to give you life to the full by the power of His Spirit in you, knowing that one day, one day when your body wears out and dies, you will ultimately live with a fully redeemed, fully restored, completely new body that is free from all sin and free from all suffering, free from all unholy desire, free to experience the full pleasure that God has designed your body for the next 10 trillion years and beyond. Hi urge you today, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, today you can be washed and sanctified and justified before God by Him through faith in Jesus. And for all who have put your trust in Jesus, I want to remind you today in this broken world with our broken bodies, Jesus has bought your body on a cross. He has filled your body with His Holy Spirit. Jesus is right now in your body and He is committed to making you new. 
He is committed to bringing healing amidst your hurt. He's committed to bringing victory in your struggles. In this broken world, Jesus loves you and he's committed to giving you everything you need to experience earthly and eternal good as you glorify God in your body. If only you will keep trusting in him, looking to him, leaning on him, believing that he is making and will make your body new. I know, I know there's an adversary, there's an accuser who is saying some, to some of you right now, don't believe this. Healing, victory, made new, you're broken way beyond that. I mean, just look at those broken pieces. Like you take these broken pieces, you say, well, I'm gonna try to put them back together. But the reality is you start piecing them together, there's, there's still breaks and gaps. And the adversary right now is saying, like, you're too broken. You're, you have messed up too much or you have been hurt too deeply. There's no, you are broken beyond repair. I know there's an adversary who's saying that to some of you, has been saying that to some of you for years. To anybody who's tempted to think that, I'm here to tell you today on the authority of Jesus Christ himself, as if he is speaking directly to you in this moment, you are not beyond repair. You're not beyond repair. Let me give you a picture. Let me give you a picture. There's a Japanese art form called kintsugi. The word means golden joinery. It's a form of art that takes broken pottery and puts the broken pieces back together. And instead of hiding the breaks between the pieces, they actually fill those breaks, those gaps with gold. The whole idea is that an artist intentionally takes something that was broken and instead of seeing those breaks as something to hide and disguise, pretend like they're not there, the artist fills those breaks with gold and in the process turns it into an entirely new piece of pottery that's beautiful in a completely different, altogether stunning way. Where there were once breaks, there's now beauty. And in this picture, right now in this moment, I want you to see and believe that the master artist, the God who formed you in the first place is able to do this with brokenness in your life. I'm not saying it's easy, I'm not saying it doesn't take time, but I am saying what the Bible is saying, this is the whole reason Jesus came, to give his life, his body, to make your body new in a way that takes your brokenness and makes you beautiful.
not with gold, but something much more precious than gold, with the blood of Jesus Christ. He has the power to make your body glorious. And I just wanna invite you to receive that today. No matter what your past is or your present is, receive this today because this is what God desires for your future. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes just to focus between you and God right now. This kind of beauty that we just talked about in our bodies is only possible for men, women, and students who trust in Jesus. First, for salvation from your sin and just reconcile you to relationship with God. So if, if you have never put your faith in Jesus, then today, right now, I want to invite you just to say to God, God, today I trust you with my life, including my body. I confess that I have sinned against you. I've experienced the effects of sin in this world. But today I believe that Jesus died on a cross to save me from sin. He rose from the dead in victory over sin. And today I trust him as the Savior and Lord of my life. I ask you, make me new, wash me, sanctify me, justify me in the name of Jesus. And you pray that to God. He will do it. By faith, he will do it. Right now in this moment, he does it for all trust in him. And then for all who have trusted in him, can I just invite you to pray in your heart just say in a fresh way today, God, I trust you with my body. Just say this in your heart to God. Just say, God, I trust you with my body. I trust your word more than I trust this world. Say to God, I trust your word more than I trust myself. Where I've sinned in my body, I ask you to forgive me and I receive your forgiveness. I receive this reality of being washed clean. Where I've been sinned against in my body, I ask you to heal me. Please heal me, oh God. And ultimately, just pray, God, I ask you to help me glorify you with my body on this earth. Help me to glorify you with my body on the as I wait for you to make my body completely new in eternity. Oh God, we look forward to that day. We, we are so thankful for this promise that these struggles on this earth will one day give way to ultimate victory. So we pray you'd help us be made new more and more and more every day now use our time and your word over these coming weeks we pray to make us new and to lead many others to experience 
your love for them in their bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's a clear command and a monumental charge from Jesus. Yet what if, despite our best intentions and sincerest efforts as the church to obey Jesus, we are actually ignoring what he said? At best, what if we have misunderstood him? And what if much of our efforts are unknowingly keeping millions upon millions of people around the world from eternal life? Well, unlike any Secret Church event that we have ever done, Secret Church 21 is designed to be a groundbreaking journey through God's Word and a look around the globe that we believe will lead to a tectonic shift in the way that you view your life, your family, and God's design of the church. We are inviting you to join us for Secret Church 21, The Great Imbalance. Registration is open right now. So join us and live stream Secret Church 21 from anywhere in the world on April 23rd. You can register or learn more at secretchurch.org. You don't want to miss this important night. Well, that's all for today's episode of Radical with David Platt. I'm your host, Thomas Bowen. Until next time, join us at Radical.net.